The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA. As I mentioned at the top of the program, I'm going to allocate this segment of the program to one of the greats of the world game. As you may have heard, Manchester United is in mourning following the passing of Sir Bobby Charlton, one of the greatest and most beloved players in the history of the club. Sir Bobby was a hero to millions, not just in Manchester or the UK, but wherever football is played around the world. He was admired as much for his sportsmanship and integrity as he was for his outstanding qualities as a footballer. Now, Sir Bobby will always be remembered as a giant of the game. He was a graduate of the Manchester United Youth Academy. He played 758 games, scored 249 goals during his 17 years as a Manchester United player, winning the European Cup, three league titles and the FA Cup. For England, he won 106 caps, scored 49 goals and won the 1966 World Cup, the only World Cup England have won. Following his retirement, he went on to serve the club with distinction as a director for 39 years. Let's pick it up as we pay tribute, because very shortly I'll be speaking to a gentleman who knew Sir Bobby Charlton well, played with him and kept in contact with him, and will relive his life with this individual. He's coming up shortly. But first, let's go back to the 1966 World Cup. Jeff Hurst scored two goals the first one was a controversial one. You'll hear from him, Sir Bobby, and Sir Bobby's brother, Jack. He whipped the ball in. I'd made the run to the near post, and um, it came slightly. I made it too early, came behind me. I hit it on the half turn and fell on my backside and had the worst view in the stadium when it came down from the crossbar, so I didn't really see it. But the, the person with the best view was Roger Hunt. The Germans went crazy, you know. It's not cross the line. And even today, I go into Germany and, and they show pictures of it and, and they say, oh, but the goal, the third goal, Bobby, you know. And I say, well, some could say that it, it's, it's never been proven that it was in or whether it was out. And, but had they had the technology, you know, it would have been perfect. But it, it, they didn't have it. And the, the referee, the linesman, the linesman gave a goal. 3-2, England had stolen the lead. Another gruelling 20 minutes to hold on. Slowly, Wembley began to fill with the whistles of the crowd. As the final seconds ticked by, Ramsey's men battled exhaustion as they tried to hold firm. And Bob ran between him in the middle of our half. And he ran on, stopped, checked, touched the ball with his foot, had a look up, saw Jeff first running away, dropped the ball over Jeff's right hand shoulder. And Jeff just knocked it on, went and took it. And, he, and according to Jeff, he tried to kick it into the stand and once at the top corner of the goals. I knew the game was finished almost. I just meant to hit it as hard as I could. And if it went beyond the bar and the sand that went into the crowd, it would take a few seconds to, uh, for the game to be over. And I just, that's all I meant to do. So, um, but fortunately it went in. Yes, yeah, so England won the 1966 World Cup. Uh, years before that, a young Bobby Charlton was on a plane that was headed back to the UK. But as we know, we heard about the Munich air disaster that claimed eight of his teammates. 
Bobby was one of the survivors. And we were leading 3-0 at half-time, which it seemed everything was OK. In the garden was rosy. But uh, they came back and got three goals, and we, we hung on and qualified. And we were all extremely happy, very, very happy. You know, it was, it was just a lot of young lads celebrating and, and enjoying what they're good at, playing football, and, and it was marvellous. And, of course, we, we had to stop it at Munich Airport to refuel. And, of course, the accident happened. We had three, three attempts to take off, and the third time we went straight through the perimeter fence and, and, um, and the tragedy happened, you know, it was a major crash, and then so many people were killed. They were travelling from Belgrade via Munich back to London. And, as we know, Busby's babes were born on the back end of that Munich air tragedy. Current Manchester United captain Harry Maguire had to say this about the late Sir Bobby Charlton. We obviously found out preparing for the game this afternoon and, um, yeah, really sad time uh, for the club. Um, a great player for our club, but more importantly, an amazing person. He used to come in a lot after the, after, after the games into the dressing room and uh, you could really see um, the respect and the aura that he brought and, yeah, the smiles that he put on people's faces. So we're, we're going to miss him um, and our thoughts are out with his family and his loved ones. Harry Maguire talking after Manchester United's 2-1 win at Sheffield United at the weekend. But they return to Old Trafford this weekend, the first home game since the passing of Sir Bobby Charlton. And Pep Guardiola is the manager of Manchester City. It's the Manchester derby. And this is what he had to say ahead of this fixture coming up. Condolences for all of us, for his family especially. And... uh... And I think uh, next next week, when we will go there in Old Trafford, the first time, like, and I'm, we'll be present to make a, a first tribute. No, I, I love this country for many things, but one of the things is how they take care of the legends of each club. You know, they are parts of the club, and they travel, and they represent, and I think Sir Bobby Charlton represents United English football like anyone else. So there you go, Manchester City manager Pep Guardiola talking ahead of what is going to be a significant, emotional and moving match uh, this weekend at Old Trafford when Manchester United take on Manchester City. As I said at the top of the program, I'm going to speak to a gentleman who was at Manchester United between 1965 and 1972. He made well over 100 appearances for the Red Devils and knew Sir Bobby Charlton very well indeed. I'm talking about Francis Burns, and Francis joins us on the program now. Francis, thanks for your time. My pleasure, Peter, as always. You know what I remember, Francis, and the reason I wanted to get you on, when we went collectively, you and I, mm-hmm. to 1996 to do the FA Cup final between Manchester United and Liverpool, I remember yourself taking us up to the director's box at Old Trafford. And so Bobby was in there when he opened the door and uh, you were greeted with open arms with the likes of Sir Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law and so many other dignitaries in that chairman's lounge where very few people are allowed to actually go in. But they opened the door for you. And uh, it was certainly a, a lasting memory for me uh, and it just showed me also how that club honours their past champions. You must have felt very humbled on that occasion. Yes, um, actually, I've, you know, after the, the events of last weekend, 
Um, I've thought about it very, you know, every all, every minute of the day. I think, and I was actually going to m- mention this that trip because I remember when we went on the Saturday and we wanted to interview Bobby after the game, and they said, oh, "I'm busy." Say, can you come to my office on Monday morning? And I remember us going over to his he had a travel agency business, and we were there at nine o'clock or whatever it was. And when we walked in and we were waiting, and they came to see us, and they said. Uh, he said, sorry, guys, he said, but, you know, I said, I can't give you a lot of time. And I've never seen an expression on a man's face like yours when your chin drops so far that it nearly touched your knee. And then he said, I can only give you half an hour. And, which, <laughs> and they changed completely. And I was looking at a man with the biggest grin on his face that I've ever seen. And, of course, how, as humble as Bobby is, I think that proved, even in that little mini-second, that he turned someone's opinion of or someone made them relax right away on what, what he was wanting you, you to do. And, of course, the, the interview came and it was one of the best that um, I've spoken to you often for the, since the years and uh, one of the best that you've ever seen and done. So, yeah, I remember it, it made Peter, as if it was yesterday and wish it was yesterday. Very special uh, time in my media career, very special time in my life, and I had the privilege of sharing it with you, Francis. But you knew knew the man very well. Uh, That meeting after many years of you and Sir Bobby was just fantastic as a person like myself to see how much you had love and admiration for each other. Gee, he loved that club, didn't he? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we, we go back in the history of the club, you know, when um, he he only he came in the, just over the 50, after the 50s, after they'd won the Cup in 48, which was the first trophy they'd won for we don't know how long. And, of course, then that's when Sir Matt started the um, youth policy. And, of course, Bobby, as we've, we've known, ended up at 19, going in 58 to Munich, and our, it was in the, the Munich disaster. And, and how he came about from that is... And I remember him being on uh, This Is Your Life show, and um, Michael Parkinson asked him, so he said, but you've never really spoken to it. So he said, but I've always wondered, all I've ever wondered is, why me? Why was I one that survived? You know, there were so very few of the players. And, of course, he played in that first game against Sheffield Wednesday um, um, in weeks, you know, two or three weeks after the, the, the disaster. And people like Shea Brennan, who ended up taking my place in the 68 European Cup final, playing it outside left and scored two of the goals that night. And hopefully I would think that Sir Matt brought Shea back in because he was at the end of his career as, as a payback thing to me, you know, because and I, and I couldn't have wished to have picked another guy to take my place before that final, and that would have been Shea Brennan. It's interesting. Uh, I was talking to you just briefly before coming on air about the 1966 World Cup. And what a uh, fantastic team England had. And with the passing of Sir Bobby, very few of that team actually are with us today. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even for a Scotsman to go down, I I remember my oldest brother um, saying, um, get two tickets for the final. I said, no, but it's England that are playing. He said, get two tickets. He said, because how many times will you get the opportunity to go and watch a World Cup final? And I went down, and I remember George and David Sadler was, were sat in a couple of rows in front of us as well, and we all went. Oh, that that was fantastic, and I mean, he, he's and he was playing against people like Beckenbauer and so forth that we know are, are world are world beaters, and they're together. And uh, 
you know, I think that's he was the catalyst for for all of England's great great goals and great results. How good a player was he, uh, Francis? Tell him, tell us about uh, the player that Bobby Charlton was. I think it came so natural to him. I, I don't I, I don't think he realised how good he was. And I remember saying to you when we were in that conversation with him in his office when he was t- telling us about. You know, he says there's not a, there's not a day or a, or a week coming through that there isn't a phone call from FIFA, from UEFA, from Old Trafford, from England FA asking me to do something, and he didn't. And we were stood sat there listening to him, and we were, we were you know obviously having the same thoughts and thinking, but you're Bobby Charlton. You know, he didn't, because he, he, he would say, you know, I said, I never hear um, Roger Hunt doing it or Martin Peters or, you know, Ray Wilson, the full back. And and, it, and it's just, that's how humble the guy was. He just didn't put himself above anybody. He was just one of the guys and one of the players. And, and I I got the, I mean, he could he could tell me off as well. He'd, he'd done that very early in my career on the first team when I played left back. And I remember being, getting the ball from someone, whoever it might have been, and I would be looking down the touchline to knock it down for Brian Kidd or for George Best or something, and he'd come in square with, with me and he'd shout for the ball and I'd ready to play it to him. And, he'd, and then I'd suddenly I'd see two of the, of the oppositions within two metres of him and I'd go and turn back again and just hit it down the line and he'd look at me and he'd say, pass me the ball. And then 10 minutes later, the same thing would happen. And I'd do it again. And then he'd come over and he'd say, pass me the ball. And then the next time, of course, I passed it to him. And he's dropped his shoulder. And these two guys that I've, were wishing they, they could get near the ball, he dropped his shoulder, turned around, hit the ball, and looked over and hit the ball 60 yards. And George Best, over the, the other side of the pitch, went, thank you very much, Bob. Thank you. <laughs> and that, that was it. And I just, and honestly, to myself, and I just put my hands up and I was, thought, mate, you are something, something that I've never seen before and never played before. But, you know, it was just, it was just so natural. He was a fantastic um, athlete. I mean, in Man City, and of course you were talking to the, to the manager um, just before, that um, they had Colin Bell and they called him Nijinsky. You know, that was a horse that Lester Piggott won the derby on. And, uh, and Bobby was like that. He was a pure athlete. And when you played him in a, in a practice match, may on Trof- or Old Trafford or, or at the Cliff, and the, the Busby wanted to, to do something different, and you played against them, you had to guess which way he was going to go past you. And you had to be five yards away, because if you got closer, he's gone past you anyway. And he, was, he could run at you and drop his shoulder, and no one ever seemed to stop him. And he, he was, as I, you know, I've heard them say before that, he found that passing the ball came simple to him and people got it and then shooting came because he played outside left for England as a left footer and no one knows to this day whether he was a natural right or a natural left. I mean, the guy was just unbelievable. And of course, you know, we talk about the great players and you've, you've read the, the tributes that have come to him this week and, um, and we all can't be a liar. We all can't tell lies. Because he was, he was without doubt. And my brother used to say, I watched George and George could do anything. George could have been a goalkeeper, he could have been a centre half, he could have played anywhere. But he was, and he was great. But there's, that, there's those few people that are above that, that, that title, and Bobby Charlton's one of them. 
you only I can only put him in classes with De Stefano, Puskas, um, the the Dutchman. You know, you know all these these guys. There's very few of those. Well, there's nowadays we've got Ronaldo and we've got Messi. Mm. We've got great players, but we've just not got them up there. There's you know Man City. I've got some great players, and I love watching them to be honest. But they're all and they're all great players. But will they end up being legends like this guy was? And you know the best in the laws across the city, of course. And uh, but you know they had Colin Bell, they had and and Franny Lee, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago as well. Mike Somerbet, they, they were fabulous players. But there was only one or two that could get past that greatness, and Bobby Charlton was certainly one of them. Yeah, and uh, we shared a special moment with him, Francis Burns. Uh, thank you very much for giving us a great insight. To the great man uh, who unfortunately has left us, but gee whiz, the memories will go on forever. May his memory be eternal, and thanks for joining us on the program. Absolutely, mate. They'll never, never go away. Franny, that was brilliant. Well done, mate. That was fantastic. Thank you, thank you so much. That, that's good, Peter. No problems. All Anytime. Right. And I'll see you next time at the Glory. I'll make sure you... I come down and say hi. All right, you will. Okay, pal. Take care. See you soon. See you, mate. Bye, Bye. Now. Bye. Francis Burns uh, just gave, gave us a great tribute to the great uh, Sir Bobby Charlton. That's the program. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget that the Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game worth over $70,000. All you need to do is just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're with a chance to win. TNCs do apply. Thank you to Jimmy. Uh, Thank you to Connor. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 right here on Sports Day WA.